Welcome to the BoardGameTables.com podcast, episode number six. We're talking about the on-tour Kickstarter. Today, well, maybe I shouldn't do this. Could make a few people upset, but hey, only my real fans, super fans, are listening to these podcasts anyway, right? Episode number six, we're going to talk about stretch goals. We're going to talk about why I don't understand stretch goals. I think it's important as a Kickstarter creator, as a project creator, to view your project from the backer's point of view. So I have to look at my project page, I have to look at my video, I have to look at the product that I'm offering from the point of view of someone who's trying to decide if they're gonna back this project or not. That's really just product development 101, but I try to do that as I look at my campaign, as I try to make sure everything's explained, try to come out and I say, what would I think of this if I were thinking about backing this game? And I do back games, I don't know how many I've bought, but I buy them on Kickstarter just like you. I buy too many of them. Some of them turn out awesome and some of them um, I play once and I sell. So what's that to do with stretch goals? I I don't get stretch goals as a backer. I never, I would just assume you tell me what I'm going to get. I make the decision. I've, I've never as a backer am like hanging on to the project, looking to see if it's going to make the stretch goal or not. Um, I honestly don't follow the projects I back close enough over the time period when they're on Kickstarter to to get into the stretch goal thing, I guess. I would rather just see what I'm going to get and know because when I come to the page, for most Kickstarters I've bought, I make that decision right then. I don't watch it and come back later. I know some of you do. That's how some, some people watch and they only, only back on the last day or some people are going to wait and see if stretch goals are met. I'm just talking about how how I back a project on Kickstarter. I come there, I get the information, and then I pretty much make my decision um, if this looks like a cool game or not. Occasionally, I'll decide no, and then I'll get drawn back in by a Facebook post or something a few days later, um, but I never hit the watch button. I never do the $1 pledge. So I'd really rather just see up front, like, hey, what's gonna be in the game? Not, well, maybe these things are gonna be in the game. But the truth is, when you're looking at a project page, you look at all the search goals and you pretty much can normally assume that a lot of them or even most of them or even all of them are going to get in. Most creators these days are are designing their projects so that they will hit all those stretch goals because it's also seemed like stretch goals have kind of been flipped upside down. It used to be a thing kind of like if we get a bunch of extra money, then here's the extra cool things we can do. And recently, more and more projects have been um, designed where you can assume all the search goals are going to be made because there can be a little backer backlash if you don't. People can withdraw in the last few days when they see you, you're not going to hit all their, your stretch goals. People say, oh, I'm not going to get the value out of this that I thought I would. So where does this little ramble going? Is it is an anti-stretch goal? No. Um, hey, that's what, that's what people want. And I kind of get it. You want to get more value for the thing you're buying. You're you're purchasing early on Kickstarter and you want to get something for that. So I've, and I've done stretch goals on the on tour campaign. I, um, at first I didn't. At first I was just going to say, hey, no stretch goals because that's what I personally wanted. But then I took a look at it from the backer's point of view and I, I, we came up with some. But honestly, now I'm just going to be really honest. I did what I think a lot of Kickstarter creators are doing. I took some things that were already in the design I had, bigger playing cards, bigger dice, things like that, that I already knew I wanted to do. And I backed them out of the base game. And then I said, okay, we'll add them if we can hit this goal. And it was a really reasonable goal that I was very confident you get to. That's what I did. You have my confession right here on tape. And today we got to that goal one week into the project, which is great. Um, 
It's kind of six of one, half dozen of another. It's at one point I had no stretch goals in the project. I was just going to include all these things by default. At another point, I had them all listed as stretch goals, but I had all their stretch goals at 20K, which was the same as the funding goal. I thought that was clever. Like, hey, you get all the stretch goals, boom, right now. In both those um, instances, people like the early feedback, I let some people into the project page early to give me feedback and, and all the feedback was, okay, but what are the stretch goals really? People expect stretch goals. So if you don't put them out there, they start kind of prodding you like, hey, when are, when are the stretch goals coming? We know you've got some back there. So stretch goals are this kind of this weird little game or weird little language between creators and backers where I've listed these, um, these five items as stretch goals. And I think, I mean, if you looked at the velocity of the project on the first day, it would be pretty obvious to any backer who's been around Kickstarter that, hey, this project's gonna get there. You can reasonably guess that if a project funds on day one at 20,000, it's gonna get another 20,000 sometime in the next 28 days. I think that's logic that um, that most backers can can follow or most back, it's readily apparent to most backers uh, if you've done even a few projects. And it was it's probably pretty obvious that I set them at, at a level that I, I was confident would hit. So what what is the point of these things? If if I didn't think they were real stretch goals, like that we were actually in danger of not funding, and no backers actually thought they were real stretch goals, um, but yet we've all kind of had fun as we reach all these milestones, what is the point? I think one of the big points is backers realize, you realize if you're a backer of my project listening to this, that you are giving up something by backing this project on Kickstarter because you're not getting the game right now. You are getting the game in the future. So you're taking a little bit of risk and a little bit of giving a little bit of time. And in exchange for that, you want to get a game that is a little bit better than what you could get in retail. And stretch goals are the way that creators can signal to backers, hey, here's a thing we wouldn't have been able to put in the game if we were just doing a minimum print run or if we were, going through distribution where we don't we don't get as much of the profits. And that's exactly what the stretch goals were, were an on tour. It's a list of some component upgrades that I don't think would be economically viable selling this game through third parties, or at least not selling it exclusively through third parties. And secondly, they give us something to, to get excited about during the campaign. Everyone's, ex- I'm excited that, that people are finally hearing about this game after working on it for a year. Backers are excited that they're gonna get this game and you want you want to talk about it and stretch goals give us an excuse to do that. Thirdly, as we got closer and closer to launch, I started to be more and more glad that I'd added those items into stretch goals because it did provide a little bit of a safety net. I said I set them at a point where I, I was pretty confident we could get to, but what if I had been wrong? What if this project had just barely funded? That would have been a, a stretch, if you will, for me to get it it would have been it would have been doable, but it it would have been tight to do it maxed out component wise at the minimum funding goal. So stretch goals gave me the freedom to say, okay, if this project just barely funds, we're still gonna do it for sure. But we're gonna scale things back just a little bit to make a little, little bit safer financial. In a way, I've kind of come around on this idea of stretch goals, at least a little bit, at least maybe understood a function that they serve, which is really to spell out what those Kickstarter extras are, even if they're not exclusives. But the thing that's making this project a Kickstarter and not a non-Kickstarter board game. 
and they give us a moment to celebrate. And they provide a bit of a safety net in case a project just barely fun. I hope that ramble made, made a little bit of sense to you. Stretch goals aren't necessarily something I look out as a backer, but if it's something that is important to you as a backer, hey, I'm glad you're having fun with that part of Kickstarter. And I'm glad you're able to find more value in the things you're getting on Kickstarter. And I think as a creator, it's my job to serve the community both in the things that make total sense to me, which is most of the stuff when we're talking about a board game Kickstarter, but also in the things that I don't necessarily quite quite understand 100%. I can still I can still try to give the backers, still try to give you those those extra things that you're looking for. So that said, we reached the stretch goals. And what am I doing now? And maybe this is another reason why people like stretch goals. I feel like I've been prodded just a little bit to add a couple more things that I wasn't planning on adding. These are are real stretch goals, if you will. Um, and, and they've come in. We're going to be in tomorrow. By the time you're hearing this, it'll probably be live. Um, going to be announcing two new stretch goals. These are what I would call real stretch goals or things. Well, let's just talk about them. Number one, the first thing is something that I had not even considered before the campaign. And I think it's a really good idea. It has some cost associated with it, but it's not a big, it's straightforward production wise. So I think this makes a great stretch goal. And it's going to be a Hall of Fame sheet that comes with the game. And that's going to be a, a, a sheet of paper that's packaged with the game for you to record your high scores and the player who did them and the name of their band when they achieved that high score for every game. So you can look back over all the scores in the history of your copy of On Tour and compare today's results with games you played over a year ago and see and keep track of what your all-time high score for a tour is. I think that's great because I, you know, how many times are we playing a game and uh, somebody does really well and someone's like, oh, I don't think I've ever seen someone score that high. And everyone kind of scratches their head and says, yeah, it seems like it was pretty good. I don't really know how it compares to our other games. This will be great to be able to go and look back and, and keep track of who who did get the biggest score ever and, and who won a game with the lowest score. That might be something else that's interesting to keep track of. Who won that big eight-player game and what's my solo record? So a Hall of Fame sheet that comes in the box, that's going to be the, the $45,000 shirt. The second goal is... It's a different type. It's the type of it's it's a stretch goal in the fact that it's something I've wanted to do, but I thought it was only worthwhile if the game really took off. And I think we're in that phase now where I can see I can see some traction gaining behind on tour where I think this will be a worthwhile endeavor. So the next stretch goal, this will be the fifty thousand dollar stretch goal, is gonna be a companion app. This is gonna be an iPhone iOS or Android app that will do the card flips and dice rolls for you so that you can still play along on your player sheet, on your player board, I should say, with your marker without having to have the dice and the cards. You can just use your phone for the dice and the cards part. This is great if you want to play a game on your couch, if you want to play a game in an airplane, something like that. Give you a little, it's probably going to be best for the solo experience to um, make it so you're not having to deal with all those components if you're in a place where that's not practical. Now you can just grab that little map and your marker. It's smaller than a book even. Take it with you while you've got, while you're waiting for somebody in the airport, while you're watching your kid get his hair cut. Whatever the situation is, you want to kill a little time, but it's not really the type of place where you want to be rolling dice. A little companion app, flip the three cards and it'll roll the dice for you. This is the type of thing that is only worth it if a certain number of people are going to be playing the game. And I think we're getting there now and on tour where where it looks like this app will get enough use 
that I think is worth developing. I'm gonna be talking more about this app in some future episodes, so come back, listen to that. In the meantime, get out there and uh, help us reach our search goals. We're stretching for them for real now.